purpose of the following special program, Barnaby Jones will not be presented this evening. From Television City in Hollywood. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Discretionary viewer participation is advised for the following professional wrestling exhibition. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, Greetings from Allentown is not taped in front of a live studio audience. AWA Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 185 of Greetings from Allentown. I'm your host, Peter Winson. And today, it's been a while since I've gone back to the AWA, and this is AWA Championship Wrestling, as aired on ESPN at a much later date, according to the tape, from May 28th of 1988, I think. Because I nailed it down, and then I couldn't quite tie together the end match. You know what? It really doesn't matter, because it's just going to say May 28th, 1988 anyway. But before I get into all that's on the show, including one weird match that has Gene Okerlund on the call, even though it's 1988, and that's just a little strange, because he's been gone for almost five years at that point. Let me get in my plugs. You can email the show. Greetings from Allentown at gmail.com. Facebook.com, blah, 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 blah. And on Twitter, at GF Allentown Pod. That is at GF Allentown Pod. Now, God, it's been a just an exhausting week. And I, I it doesn't feel like it should be because it was a Monday holiday. So you figure, okay, you only got to work 32 hours this week. I had an hour banked from last week, which I don't want to explain my timesheet situation, but it is a source of great stress for me that... Honestly, should not be that. The fact that I'm wearing myself out just, you know, regularly for work, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about the timesheet so much. But yeah, not getting a lot of sleep this week with with work. Like, I I feel like I'm working long... Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of GFA Live. I am your host, Peter Winston. I'm going to waste no time at all bringing in my guest at this time, a, a man who, if you ask him, does he know anything about the podcasting business, he's just going to throw up his hands and say, what, what, what do I know about the podcasting business? All I know is to download the thing and listen to it. Mr. Keithy Langston, how are you? Uh, you insulted me a little bit. A little bit. You insulted me a little bit. How are you, Pete? How are you, Booby? <laughs> I hope you're not going to turn your back on me. Uh, Although I could use 3200 bucks <laughs> For a lifetime. How are yeah. you, How are you, Schmoopy? Are you doing okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, thank, you're hanging in there? Concerned. Well, I know that you're a little upset that the Bruins are no longer in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I, you know, I, I know it's tough for you. I know it's a tough time for you, but at least if you look on the bright side, you didn't have to witness it live, like you, I believe you did last year, right? Yes, <laughs> actually, being at Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, and uh, it cost me a pretty penny those four finals games too. Mm. So yeah, that's what I. That was my mantra when they were losing. To Tampa, those those four straight games to end the series. I think, well, at least I didn't have to foot the bill for any of this. <laughs> at least I didn't have to. Yeah, at least I, at least I saved a little a little coinage on that. Much like SummerSlam, the SummerSlam, you saved a little coinage on the SummerSlam. Yeah, that I I especially enjoyed that. Now I, I'm gonna yes. buy, I'm gonna buy myself. I just realized I could buy like an NBA Jam one up oh, machine for my basement could. with the money that I spent on SummerSlam. Could you buy yourself a pink Cadillac or a fur coat, a mink coat? <laughs> I'd have to put it in my mother's name. <laughs> and then he kissed me. <laughs> Why are we so obsessed with that one scene? I watched it on YouTube earlier, like Goodfellas Christmas scene. Every time, you two. Every time. <laughs> I don't know. I love the, the walking through the restaurant, the back of the restaurant, and then she just goes, what do you, what do, you do? Uh, I'm construction. You don't look like you're in construction. I'm a union representative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I told you this the other day, and I, I think I mentioned it in a Twitter reply. My goal is to get Keith yeah. to say every line from Goodfellas in the course of the podcast, and then I'm just going to string them together as a special <laughs> show of you just uh, reciting the whole movie. That takes a lot. That's a lot of effort, but you know, maybe we'll get there one day. <laughs> Hope, hopefully. But first, we, yes. we have today's show, which is the best of the World Wrestling Federation, volume number nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. I don't know why why you pulled nineteen out. Probably because you knew that most of these matches would indeed be from the year. 1989. Well, it was also, it was a very good year. 19 was a very good year for me, I believe. Um, I think I worked at Blockbuster Video that summer, um, which was, I had a lot of fun. It was a good, it was a good year. It was a very good year. So I liked 19, actually, you know. Oh, when you were actually 19 years old, I thought. Yeah, when I was actually not, not 1989. I wasn't working at Blockbuster Video in 19. Actually, when you kept saying 19, I thought you were referring to last year. And I was like, where the hell were you working at Blockbuster Video last year? What, did you move to Oregon and not tell me? I did. No, I, uh, I did. 2019. No, you could give 2019 back to, I don't know, whoever. Yeah. <laughs> you have the same people that are going to take 2020. 
and, and probably 2021 as well. So. I don't think I've really enjoyed a year since uh, maybe 15 in these last uh, five years or so. Well, oh, you didn't enjoy 2016 when, when we went to North Carolina? There were highlights. Uh, there were highlights yes. and lowlights, and there's been a lot of lowlights these, low these last five years. You know, I, I think you're still mad at me because we did not sit down and watch some World Wrestling Federation action from 1984, like I promised you. <laughs> no, I don't think we did at all. I mean, I there was, were there were I, other people in that house. Yes, but I woke up every morning early, hoping to catch you sitting at the kitchen table watching, and n- n- never, never happened. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I actually enjoyed watching wrestling back then. That was that was a nice difference. No, no, I I actually enjoyed watching. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go through all of these best of the WWF volumes with you. I mean, a- after all, this is the best of the WWF. This is the absolute best. Yes, and we've they, seen the best. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just just been absolutely incredible. And I I can't. We got fourteen more after this. And I, I can't even I can't even begin to envision what kind of shit we're gonna see. Ugh, I feel like that the if we if you allow me to continue this journey with you, I feel like the episode after we finish the last one should just be a retrospective of our own opinions on where we would rank all twenty. By that point, no one is listening to you anymore, <laughs> and I have and I have officially won this battle, and I have just destroyed. This has been my plan all along: is to destroy your podcast just out of jealousy. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's that's a very that's a very interesting thought, interesting hmm. comments nonetheless. But let's go to the live action, and <laughs> I, I got to apologize because the the last time we did this, I screwed up, and we did not get the sound coming through hmm. properly underneath as i like to have it but now you now oh, you can see Jesus my screen christmas are you serious we start off with a, please tell me it's a psa from the blue blazer it is hey, a, this is a psa there's a blue blazer don't smoke Hi-ya! how did you know it was a non-smoking thing it has to be well i know there was a big non-smoking push back then okay i cannot hear the blue blazer Look at him. Don't smoke. Aim for the stars, folks. Could you hear that? I could not, no. Oh. Do you have headphones in or something? Come on. Well, no, now we have Now we have the trailer for No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan jumping out through the roof of the car. Oh, it's Stan Hansen. I love how you marked for Stan Hansen and I marked for the uh, gay uh, gay butler from the Wait, pilot of Golden Girls. But don't forget, we also saw uh, what was that piece of ass's name back then in 1980? Joan Severance. Joan Severance. She's a, a fine B movie piece of ass. And a, and a white bra, I might add. And there's Tiny Lister Jr. Yeah. <laughs> he they only works on he only works on Fridays. They should have give him. They should have gave him the belt. Yeah, you know what? He, Zeus Zeus was a, a consistent money draw the entire time this angle was was around. So yeah, I mean they had it. They had they had it. They had WrestleMania six at the Sky Dome. Could have been Zeus versus Hogan for the championship in the five in the octagon here or the five sided ring. It would have been it would have been ahead of its time for TNA. I, I would like I would like to go up to if I ever got an opportunity to talk to Vince McMahon. I would, I would, you know, I know it's a very rare opportunity. I should choose my questions wisely. Like, 
Come on, Vince. Why didn't you put the strap on Zeus and let him run with it? Wow, an early Slim Jims commercial with the Warrior. So they had Slim Jim money before Savage. Yeah. That's, it, that's funny that the, the, the Slim Jims was advertising with the WWF, and they had the Warrior. I remember this commercial, too. And they had the Warrior, mm-hmm. and then they went with Savage, and then Savage left, and they followed Savage. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how the guy who lost the career match to Warrior ended up picking up the uh, scraps. And they say, coming up on Coliseum Video, because apparently they're doing that at the beginning. Best of WWF Volume 20, which we've already wow. covered. We already covered that. That's a Demolition, little... and then one other thing that I didn't give a shit about. Yeah, that's the Coliseum Video. It, it is, you know what I would say in retrospective, in retrospect, Savage had a much better career than the Warrior after the career-ending match. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got to factor in the whole WCW thing. WWF but, flying but, through the canyon or whatever the hell but he this also, is. But don't forget, he was a champion again in WWF. <laughs> That's true. He, he lost the career-ending match, and then the following year he was beating Ric Flair for the world title. <laughs> hmm. I actually watched today on on the award-winning WWE Network. Uh, you know how they're doing this timeline? Oh, yes, yes. They, they had an episode. It was, she was mine before she was yours. Woo! It was like it was the Flair Savage Miss Elizabeth angle from WrestleMania 8. It was yeah. awesome. And, was then, cool. and then for 1996, he was, uh, she was his after he was. She, well, he, she was. I can't even get it. I, uh, they, they've broken my brain. Is this is this the headquarters at uh, Titan Towers? I would have to imagine that it is, and they're doing the bit where Sean Mooney can't get into the building, which they already did with Oakland yeah, in Oakland Volume Seventeen. I'm like, is that is that Kevin Dunn? It can't be. No, his, his, no, teeth, he's, are, his teeth are not coming out of his head. His teeth are fully be, are being fully covered by his lips. Um, I've been to that Titan Towers. I went. I drove out to. I drove out to the City Field a few years ago to see the Red Sox play the Mets, and we drove by. And we purposely stopped it there so I could take a picture with my buddy in front of uh, Titan Towers. Oh, nice. Brutus yes. Beefcake versus Mr. Perfect. This is from Madison Square Garden, January 23rd, 1989. So just after the Royal Rumble that year. They could and... have Madison Square Garden. <laughs> this sold. <laughs> your, your, sounds like your mother. Uh, February 20, February 13th, 1989 edition of Primetime Wrestling. So this did air on TV. Oh, and this is a preview of their WrestleMania match. That's cool. Well, a year and two months later, yes. <laughs> Still. Probably uh, in uh, the second match on the show at MSG that night. And Perfect is still new enough that he's just wearing the blue trunks. Yeah. I, I, as I would say, this is, this is Kurt Henning is wrestling right now, you know, because he was probably known as Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Like he hadn't he, dropped the name yet. Yes, because he does have the boots that say Mr. P that I always enjoy because, yeah. you know, you know, P also means urine. <laughs> yes. Well, he's, yeah, yes. He's R. Kelly's favorite wrestler. Hey. <laughs> hey, Miss Mr. P. Mr. P. Mr. F. Now there's a uh, <laughs> British beefcake wearing this. It's an all white number. Yeah. Is B, does that mean Beefcake's going to blade like crazy in this one? <laughs> I just see the reason why. I was going to say, did he just get out of like a mental institution? <laughs> Look, out of all the 
recurring jokes that I've had on the podcast. One of the little ones that I really enjoy is when I talk about Elizabeth coming out for the final match at WrestleMania 4 wearing that white dress and thinking, oh, and thinking shit. She's gonna oh, shit, she's going to run the race. <laughs> I mean, I, I just get visions of Jim Cornette uh, in the TBS studios wearing the white the, the white suit the one time. Just, and then just so getting that... busted open. Yes. That's that is a funny joke with you talking about Elizabeth bleeding because it is just like the most ridiculous thing you could have ever said. Here's this beauty queen, but she's gonna scar her forehead for a five hundred dollar payday. Hey, man! As we all know, red equals green. Yes. Um, look at this. Perfect looks. Perfect looks great. Now he's. He's still fresh in the company at this point, right? Yeah, he's, he's about six months in, but they took yeah. their time with him, and <laughs> they were right to do so because in the beginning they just they decided we're going to have no manager for him, right? Which you know could have could have worked, but they you know they just they just let him win matches underneath, or yeah, you know he's not he's not with the genius at WrestleMania five. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, yes. Yeah. Well, Genius is still doing those poems and writing writing good poetry, as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you because he, he had the time to do it. It was like Breaking Bad versus Gilligan's Island, mm. which is a fun analogy because the creator of Breaking Bad is Vince Gilligan. <laughs> that's where my adult brain goes. That's hey, but you know what? You you might as well. Um, oh, and a nice close up shot of Mr. P's boots. Mr. P. Shouldn't they I... be yellow boots? Oh, you would think so, but he did wear a yellow singlet later on. You know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta really stop with the bathroom humor because last show I was talking about Andre's turds. Now I'm talking about Kurt Henning being into water sports. I mean, this is not, this is, this is unbecoming of me. Yeah, it seems like whenever you get, it seems like whenever you and I get together, you start working a lot more blue. I don't know, I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, you turn. Oh, what is beefcake already split open? What, does he, he have a broken nose? Beefcake really does. He has a broken nose. Holy shit. Oh, he, no, he's got he's got a cut on the front. Yeah, he's got a cut on the front of his nose. I was going to say. Wait a minute. That's hilarious that you made a joke about him getting bloody because he was wearing <laughs> all white. And he's actually bleeding in this match. Yeah, that. You're wow. Like, you're like Karnak. <laughs> Karnak the great. <laughs> well, if I was Karnak, I, I, I would hope that I could, through Ooh. some sort of uh, telepathy or whatever, Tell Brutus Beefcake, hey, stay off the beach next July Fourth, okay? Just, just trust me on this one, because you're gonna, you know how you used to finish people with a move called the high knee. Well, you're gonna be getting a high knee right to the face. I know that's not funny, but you know, <laughs> I'm making light of a making light of a sad situation, a a, a promising career uh, not cut short because we got about 25 gimmicks at WCW. We have Brutus Beefcake, uh, Lanny Poffo, <laughs> and Linda Lovelace. <laughs> Who are... <laughs> <laughs> you got to do an Ed McMahon. You got to go, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, Brutus Beefcake, Lanny Poffo, Linda Lovelace. And then... <laughs> Who are people that enjoy sucking dick? Oh! Oh, huh? How dare you say that about oh, good old Burtis? You remember Burtis, don't you? He's one of the greats. Burtis! <laughs> Burtis! 
There was a sign at yeah, SummerSlam 89. Of course. You yeah. talked about it before. Burtis. Burtis, Burtis Beefcake. Burtis is my second favorite misspelling in the history of the World Wrestling Federation behind that one time in the mid-80s when Bret Hart was in the ring. And instead of spelling his name with two T's, it said Burt Hart. But the, <laughs> but the best, but the best I, part is that I swear to that, Jesus that I laughed for like eight straight minutes. After. And then you texted me a screenshot, and you just you put the screenshot, and then you put in all caps. You just put Burt, Burt, Burt. Yeah. Oh. Nice, nice chin lock by perfect on Beefcake, who's by the way grabbing the ropes, but somehow that does that is not breaking the hold. No, no it's not breaking it, the hold because he's just trying to lift perfect up. Now he's trying to. Oh, and a nice snake eyes face buster onto the top turnbuckle. You know what I think he was trying to do? He was trying to get uh, put Henning's head into the ring post because you know that's his kryptonite. <laughs> It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't hit that bump yet. <laughs> that was how he lost to Waller in 88. Yeah. But he, but here's the thing. Kurt, Kurt Henning or Mr. Perfect hitting the ring post in the corner or Ted DiBiase being driven into an exposed turnbuckle? Which one is more deadly to that guy? Hmm. I would say perfect always. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? Well, let's is not it, sell is short. It, is, it, is it the DiBiase Virgil match? Is that what it is? Oh, there were other times where DiBiase went into an exposed turnbuckle. Like I, I seem yeah. to remember that happening multiple times. Yeah. Well, because it was all yeah. Well, all right. So there may be DiBiase because it happened multiple times, but you know, but it happened a perfect lots of times, like against Kerry, against Beefcake, against Lawler. Yeah. Geez, that's a good question. I guess we'd have to. I guess we'd have to do a running tally. Maybe that's well, maybe that's the future greetings from Allentown proper. You should. You know, do. I'm I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it to Henning. You know why? Why? Because he, uh, as far as I know, he didn't embezzle welfare funds from the state of Mississippi, and there's a very good chance that Ted DiBiase did. So, <laughs> f that guy. <laughs> and I think I enjoyed watching Henning, Kurt Henning's kid, a lot more than Ted DiBiase's kid. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. Former Intercontinental Champion, Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel is a Paul Heyman guy, just in case well, you didn't. Oh, there. Oh, I thought he was going all the way up. He didn't. He just yeah. he just jumped and hit the buckle. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question there. I wonder. It's, I'd have to say perfect. Yeah, I said perfect. I'm sticking yes. with it. Oh, and there's another shot into the thing. Now, why isn't Beefcake? To, see, now there was a setup right there. It was a setup for the sleeper, and he didn't do it. I thought it would have been great. Oh, he did the Hogan thing, and he hit him the wrong way, like Hogan does. Oh, oh, so he... oh! How, how, how dare you? That's that's the bolo punch from the Crusher. Hogan stole it from him. But does he do it? Does he hit? But does the Crusher hit it the wrong way though? Because that's what I always found funny is that Hogan would wind up, he would do the big wind up, and then he would hit him the opposite way. Oh, I, I honestly, I, I have never noticed that. Yeah, you've never noticed it. So Hogan will do like a Hogan will do like a counterclockwise wind up, but then he'll hit him clockwise. <laughs> oh, the high knee! Shades of Harley Race. <laughs> I am kind of sad that you can't hear the audio. Why? What's going on? 
Well, no, just because it's Rod Trongard, ver- oh. Rod Rod Trongard, and, and Lord Alfred Hayes, which is a complete train wreck. Mm. Oh, who's that? Oh, look at that! It's out that Ron Bass. That's Outlaw Ron Bass. Making his second consecutive appearance. Apparently, that's your father. <laughs> yes, I did compare Ron Bass to my father. But he has very... less. Does he have less hair than your dad does at this point? Or your dad did at this point? In '89, uh, at this point, yeah, Bass has Bass has less hair because he just had it shaved by Beefcake. Nah. But bat, but he was wearing a hat and perfect wins by count out because wearing, of Ron Bass. I think he's wearing the WWF hat, like the WWF baseball cap. <laughs> I think he might be, yes. Oh, and look at that. Sean Mooney in the National Archives, it looks like, where they store all the uh, the movies that make a difference. <laughs> uh, you really can't hear Sean Mooney? I can't. Is that Michael Cole? Oh, no. No, it's a guy with a mustache. <laughs> I just saw some little squirrely rat face guy, and I thought it was Michael Cole. Hmm. Oh my god i I made the mistake of watching Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Yes, and uh, for some reason, Michael Cole was filling in for uh, I don't know Todd Gordon or whoever the guy is. That they have. You mean Todd Phillips? I don't know whoever it is. No, it's not whoever the hell it is. You know, and, Captain, uh, Captain Facefuck. Yeah, as he's known in some circles. Some circles, and all I could say is, I once again it made me hate Michael Cole on another whole level again because he really he all right one time Bob Heck of Bob Heck Tech, Bob Heck Entertainment Pittsfield's number one entertainment venue um he Bob asked me to help him record some stuff on um. I guess at the time it was cassette. He was trying to become a DJ at a radio station, which he later became. And he was, he talked to me a lot about popping your peas and things like that. And Michael Cole wasn't popping his peas, but he was popping his bees. Cause he does like that. Bailey, and I was just like, (laughs) Oh my God, I wanted to kill him because at one point he just, Oh, you know what it was too is he kept saying, um, because, like, Drew McIntyre kept doing that Claymore, and the way he kept saying it, he kept going, Claymore kick! Claymore! Another Claymore! And I just was like, I fucking hate you, Michael Cole. I really do. Because he was just, he kept saying, Bailey, Banks, boss time, and then he was like, Claymore! Claymore! And so I'm sitting there last night, by myself, screaming, just going, another Claymore kick! Oh my god! Randy Orton! A Claymore! Like, I was just... I was going nuts doing this horrible Michael Cole impression because I hate him so much. You know, all, all all that just kind of you know brought to mind for me all all the bees yeah. is that one from The Office where uh, Jim is impersonating Dwight beats beat bears Battlestar Galactica bears beats Battlestar Galactica. It does. I mean, it does. If anybody knows that, because you want to know what kind of bear is best, black bear. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, I mean, at, which is sad because right now there's an awesome demolition versus the powers of pain, which is great. Yes, uh, it's from uh, that that night, that infamous night in Milwaukee, February third, nineteen eighty nine. This wow, this two, wow, that's a hell of a show they ran that night, huh? Well, it was not. It, I don't think it wasn't on the NBC broadcast because no. it was just that, and then DiBiase Hercules. They taped this. I believe they aired it on Primetime Wrestling not long after this. 
and then of course released it on this Coliseum video because but it's, yeah, but that show that's the one that had Brother Love ta- uh, referee in the the Rujos and the Hearts. Yes, yes, this is the, this is the same show as that. Wow, that would have been a great show to go. I mean, that's actually, those are quality matches for 1989. Yeah, and, you know, and this, demolition, powers of pain. Well, they wanted to make sure that they filled that building for that yeah. angle, so they were just going to leave it all out there and just had you know put every gimmick match you could think of: powers of pain, demolition, brother love as referee. Although mega powers versus twin towers and the whole thing being on national TV. Yeah. I don't think I don't think people were going to stay away and say, you know what, I'd rather just stay home and watch it on TV. That's like it's... that's three huge tag matches, if you think of it. Milwaukee had some really good shows and hot crowds for both WWF and WCW because they got this. Super Brawl Two was in Milwaukee, mm. and then one of my personal favorite Attitude Era pay per views, Over the Edge '98. Yeah. And I have to stress once again, 98, the, the other year, probably they should they should have never seen the light of day on the network. Um, Yeah, but you know what? That, uh, sadly enough, that was the first thing I watched when the, on the network. Oh. <laughs> because I just wanted to see how they handled that one. And mm. they actually, they don't even, they don't even have the Jim Ross. First of all, I think they cut out the promo, the, the Godfather promo. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they did the – I don't think they had the Owen Hart promo. I think they cut that as well. And then they obviously cut, like, Jim Ross's explanation because he does an explanation, like, in between a match. And they cut that as well. So it's almost like you don't – you know, you could watch that pay-per-view and not know – Um. I mean, I don't even know if they did a thing where they announced the matches at the beginning of the card either. So I don't, I don't remember. It was it was literally the first thing I watched, and I haven't watched it ever since. Yeah, the the only reason why anybody would even look at it is the morbid curiosity. I don't know why. Why, why are we talking about that? That was in Kansas City, and this is it. This is in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Um, Over the Edge '98. That's the one where is that the one with the. The train wreck at the end with the te- with the title match where Vince is the referee and Pat Patterson's the ring announcer and Gerald Briscoe is the uh, yes. timekeeper. That's my favorite Austin – one of my favorite Austin matches because of how it ends when he just – he stuns everybody and then he just drags Vince over and he makes he, – he slams Vince's hand down three times. Yeah, I love it, that ending. It, it's, it's a perfectly booked main event and – yeah. For whatever reason, Vince Russo seems to get credit for it because, well, it's partly in his style. Yeah. And what that means is that Vince Russo continued to get booking jobs for years and years after, completely disregarding the fact that the three principals involved, Mick Foley, Steve Austin, and Vince McMahon, are three of the all-time performers in yeah. this business, as right. Paul would say. No, you're right. <clears throat> I can't remember if that's. Aren't the I one. so edgy? I called him by his shoot name. <laughs> uh, okay, back to live action. <laughs> um, that I wonder is that the is it that one or is it the one before, the month before where Boss Man screws up his run in <laughs> that Austin talks about? Yeah, it was, it, it was. It like was like right before was... he was supposed to be. Uh, no, that was that Survivor series. Was it? Was that the one where he was in the back talking to like the Undertaker? 
Yeah, and then Briscoe had that. to hit Austin That's... with the chair. <laughs> I love that story, though, because the way he tells it is <laughs> it's something totally like I would do. Like, I'd be in the back talking to somebody, like shooting the shit with somebody and miss, totally miss my mark because I wasn't sitting at Gorilla. <laughs> and then yeah. I could see, and then totally having, like, you know, Steve Austin come out and chew me out in the back and boss me and just be like, oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> sorry, brother. Uh, Mr. Fuji. Yeah, they, well, they were probably unhappy with him, but it's not like they fired him or anything like that. At point, but, you know. What, was the, what, what were your feelings about the powers of pain when they came in in the middle of 88? Because I, I, I didn't know, I hadn't watched the NWA, but I also didn't think that they were the Road Warriors as some people did who were not familiar like I was. Yeah, no. I, I mean, well, first of all, um, you know, if anybody knew anything about the Road Warriors, they knew that one of them was not a Samoan. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of a dead giveaway right there. But, no, I think that for a, a tag team like Demolition that had gone through the ranks and really just, like, tuned up everybody, I think you absolutely had to have, like, a monster, a monster tag team to go up against them. And I think that the Powers of Pain worked because they're a monster tag team. I mean, yeah, it would have been awesome if you had a Road Warrior, like the actual Road Warriors. But then again, the way the Road Warriors were booked and everywhere else they went, they were just dominant, and you had yeah. a dominant tag team. So, I mean, like, picture, like, 1989 or 19 – picture Survivor Series 88 as everything goes back to Survivor Series 88. Right. But picture Survivor Series 8 with the Road Warriors doing – being part of, like, a double turn and then having, like, Demolition be this monster face team now having to battle against the Road Warriors in 89. Like, what do you just have? You just have every match end in, like, a double disqualification or a double count-out? I mean, I guess you could, but to me it just seemed foolish. Well, oh, what's, nice. what's what's funny to me is the Road Warriors turned heel at almost the same time Demolition turned face. Yeah. Yeah, so it's they, it's almost like from a cross promotional perspective, it somehow worked. Now this is a rather famous line, at least for those of you who've listened to the Our Vantage Point podcast, where Fuji Fuji throws is eventually going to throw powder or salt in Axe's eye. Axe is just beating the shit out of both guys yeah. with a cane. The referee turned around and saw him do it, but he's going to DQ Powers of Pain for the powder salt thing. Yeah. Here we go, Lord L. The his eyes are closed; they can't open them. <laughs> One of my his favorite eyes. Lord Al moments ever. His eyes are closed; they can't open them. <laughs> and that's why I that that was the whole point. I wish that you could hear the audio correctly. I swear the, to God, I swear I shared it show? with you. That's what? the whole hook for this show is that you, his eyes are closed. Axe's eyes are closed. You can't open them. No, the hook for the show is that you picked 19. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's, so that's where that's from, huh? Oh, Jesse yeah. Ventura's dressing room with Ian Mooney. Like, I, I don't, how could you not hear? You, you were able to hear when we did this two shows ago, but you can't hear now. I'm, I don't know. I don't understand Skype. I don't know. I mean, I'm on. It's not 
I don't know. It would either be coming through my headphones or it would be coming through my, my headset or it would be coming through my speaker phone, my speakers, and I can't hear anything. Well, what is – I have no idea. Yeah, well. What is the volume at the bottom of your computer? Like, maybe that's why. Well, no, I, I did crank that uh, a little bit higher. Oh, I don't know. That's all right. You telling me what's being said is far more humorous to me, so. Well, I just hope it comes through on the under. Like after, so. after after my blunder last week where I we had like 10-second silences because we were listening to it, and then I had to just kind of truncate those. Yeah. Sometimes but, it makes me wonder why you even bring the thunder. No. <laughs> you said blunder and under. I don't know. Just, you rhymed for a minute there. There's hey. a woman. So the, the bit here is that Mooney is at Jesse Ventura's dressing room. And a woman was sent out and gave Mooney a note that said, get lost. The funny thing about this, of course, is that Jesse eventually sued the WWF over royalties from these very Coliseum tapes and ended up winning. That's why, if you know, I'm the only one that gets money from Vince McMahon. So he's got to write me a check every month. (laughs) So do you know? So do you know this is just as Jesse the Body Ventura versus Tony Gurria from MSG May twentieth nineteen eighty five. So it's after his blood clot issue, mm. but I guess he's just kind of a guy now. I mean, they weren't going to throw him in there with Hogan on a regular basis because they did probably didn't know if he would hold up. Did he did he ever have and I know I should know this but did he ever have a program with Hogan or not really? Uh it was it was extremely brief. There were a couple of matches. Yeah. And then they were they also, you know, faced off in the AWA, but nothing nothing too substantial. Yeah. I mean the the whole feud would have been about who more successfully ripped off superstar Billy Graham. I mean, Jesse looks more like Superstar Billy Graham in the, you know, looks department, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I never really got to see a lot of Jesse's charisma like Hogan, but, you know, I mean, but Superstar Billy Graham was a heel. Like, Hogan was, Hogan ripped off part of his personality, but, I mean, he was never going to get his whole personality because he wasn't a heel. Well, he was a heel early, I mean, 79 up through 81, but that's, but the, that's was, the personality that they ripped off. Yeah. What, it, Hogan didn't rip off Kung Fu Graham. <laughs> that would have that been funny if Hulk Hogan also had a Kung Fu period. Yeah. Same, Which, same. Didn't he kind of, in the, didn't he kind of when he, remember when he was NWO Hogan and he came back with that weird haircut? That <laughs> oh, was like, the, that three, was like a, the three kids from Ninja Mountain or whatever the hell that movie yeah, is called. Didn't he have a little bit of a Kung Fu gimmick then? <laughs> Tony Gurria and his tattoos. Yeah. And his Peter North haircut. And I noticed... (laughs) I noticed that the clock behind Jesse Ventura when he was taking out all 23 earrings that he had... Yeah. It it said that it was 10.20 p.m. It's now 10.20... It now says 10.24. 10.25. I think this match has been clipped because we have not watched that much time. But in any event, can you imagine... A Ventura Gurria match starting like at ten twenty. I mean, well, maybe this is a maybe this is like a morning show. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, yeah, so known for known for a lot of those breakfast. Uh, breakfast what do they call those 
bre- I think bre- was- breakfast biceps and bagels or whatever the hell they called that. And I was bacon. even say, yeah, breakfast bacon and ba- breakfast. No, bi- biceps bagels and um, blintzes. I think it was called. Uh, <laughs> that was it was. <laughs> The word blintzes is always funny. Thank you very much, The Simpsons, for that, also. <laughs> Those blintzes yeah. were terrible. Blintzes. <laughs> that corn muffin was lousy. This... Take my chicken coop! Um, yeah, no, you have blintzes, bagels, and body slams. That's the That was the matinee early morning brunch that you got with the wrestlers Hogan would could you imagine Hogan wearing his like spaghetti his spaghetti mania hat serving you like at the table making you an omelet what kind of omelet would you like brother (laughs) and then like you know Savage is giving you the bacon (laughs) I I get a kick out of celebrities serving food it doesn't matter if it's like you know the local female meteorologist scooping ice cream at a charity event yeah. Or if it's uh, Bruins goon Zach Ronaldo uh, scooping out uh, nacho cheese. Like, either way, I'm I'm going to be delighted by it. So now now all I want in life is for Tony Greer to cook me a steak. <laughs> Could we do that instead of cameo? Where oh, just like, I'll just hire World Wrestling see, Federation legends. Had... Come over and cook cook food for me. See, you had the joke, and I'll tell you what the joke is. Tony Garia come Tony Garia comes over and cooks you shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> that's that's Australia, not New Zealand. Oh, excuse me. Although I, I do think I do think I have some New Zealand lamb in my freezer. Oh, really? Well, I think it might be from New Zealand, but uh that that lamb's I've, I've had it for a while. I don't eat lamb very often. So would you want like him to give you like something with kiwi or uh Oh, I, I would. Just, I would love a kiwi. They just kiwis call great fruit. Do they great. just call New Zealand people kiwis, or are they are they known for their kiwi fruit? Uh, I believe both. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um. Wow. This is this is terrible. I yeah. hope this is a ten twenty five in the morning match because <laughs> yeah, this is this sucks. Like this is the match that like they're hoping gets everybody out of there so that they can clean up. Like this is the last match of the night. Boy, are you going to be pissed off when it goes to a time limit draw? <laughs> again, it's a best of. <laughs> it's but a again, best it's... of, and Tony Garia has been holding this wrist lock for like three minutes. You know what's really funny is that if you went to if you went to like what was the name of your video store again? Uh, Townline Video. Okay, so you went to Townline Video, and you didn't really know anything past I don't know 1988, mm-hmm. 1987. Okay. The first thing you ever watched was WrestleMania three, which Tony Garea was not on the card. <laughs> okay. Of course. Yes. And you go and you get this and you're like, wow, best of WWF volume 19. Ah, oh, nice. And then you put it on and you're like, wow, Jesse Ventura. I didn't even know he really wrestled. Who's this guy? He's wrestling. Who the fuck is this guy that he's wrestling? <laughs> like, you, you know, watch- you, you got some snide remark there about, oh, Gurria wasn't on the card at WrestleMania 3. Well, I have it on good authority that he was all set to go in case Andre uh, didn't feel well enough. I'm so sure. it's going to be Gurria versus Hogan. <laughs> Main event in any arena in America, Jess. And I um, think and I think Gurria was going to go over as per the <laughs> contingency plan so they could set up the rematch down the road. Well, so was Gurria one of Vince's goons or one of Vince Senior's goons. Yeah, he's, he, he, both actually, because he kind of he kind of carried over. Although once Vince Junior 
took over. Right. Does a nice. Oh, he, he got the uh, hangman in the yeah, ropes nice, here. Nice hangman. I would say you'd say, how the hell are you going to have Tony Gurria go over Hulk Hogan in 1987? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how. Mm. He loaded up his haircut with like you know how like dudes would like load their mask. <laughs> Gurria loaded his hair so that well, when he hit him with a headbutt, it was like the the war bonnet, you know. Except, yeah. Except Gurria doesn't need a war bonnet because he's got he his war bonnet is his uh, follicles. Yeah, it's his perfectly yeah. it's his perfectly quaffed yes. hair. Um, is it me or is the clock say ten twenty one? I think we're going backwards in time watching this match. <laughs> I, are you saying that Tony Gurria versus Jesse Ventura actually bends time and we've entered another dimension? <laughs> we're in a new dimension. We have entered the fourth dimension. <laughs> no, I think this is the first dementia. You know, I'm going to get watching this. <laughs> I just want to see somebody eating a blintz in the front row. That, I caught this from George the Animal Steel. <laughs> if, he, he, if gave extra, he gave me extra strawberries. If they cut to the front row of Madison Square Garden in May of 1985 and somebody is eating a blintz in MSG... I will write you a check for five hundred dollars. Will you go? Check, will you check get will all not the, be honored. <laughs> check will not be. Check will not be honored. Will you get all the clemt if they're eating a blintz? <laughs> yes. Oh, Bubby. Um, check will not be honored. Oh, oh crap! I shouldn't have said secret. Oh crap! I shouldn't have said illegal. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you right now. You might hate this match because Jesse's offense makes <laughs> like he makes 2003 Triple H look like fucking Tiger Mask. <laughs> <laughs> you might hate this match, folks, but don't but, worry. It gets worse. <laughs> oh no, no. This this is like this is like the anti bully thing. It get it gets better. It gets better. I there mean, are there are three three more matches on this tape and you're gonna you're gonna like all of them. Oh so good. I, I venture to guess I, that you know you what? I don't hate this either. I don't hate this match. It's fun to make fun of. I mean, you know. I just wish that we could take piss breaks during these podcasts. You know? <laughs> I, I think my mother had uh, Jesse's the, the the design on Jesse's tights as the wallpaper in in, in our house at some well, point. My mother, my mother definitely had that as a nightgown. <laughs> I clearly remember that on Sunday mornings, making me some eggs and bacon. <laughs> well, Jesse made me bacon and eggs. But no, Gurria is uh, Gurriaing up. Yeah, I kind of feel like I want to watch a whole. <laughs> I want to watch a whole lot of Tony Gurria now. <laughs> a, a statement no one has ever said. <laughs> it w- it would have been so awesome if Tony Gurria had pinned Hulk Hogan in like 1980. Well, yeah. like, I, would, I would never stop replaying. Oh, abdominal stretch, but they're already Jesus like in the ropes. Christ, are you serious? Not only yeah. are they in the ropes, the Gurria fell outside. Oh, and he does a oh, what a horrible sunset flip on the inside. Oh, that was horrible. Oh, at least it wasn't as bad as the uh, Pillman uh, oh. Goldust one from SummerSlam 97. Excuse yeah. me, the SummerSlam 97. Yeah, get it right. The SummerSlam. Oh, that's an infamous SummerSlam, I might add. That's a good and very rewatchable SummerSlam, except for that one segment. Except for those two segments where they interview the governor and they call random people. Wait a minute! You don't like when they interview Christy Todd Whitman and the Undertaker gives her the copy of the uh, the champion? Oh no, he's not there. That's no, the press it, it, it was the headbangers. Yeah, that was the press conference that the Undertaker's at. 
I love that one, the press conference. The Undertaker. What? He pinned him with an elbow drop? That's, That's right. It. That's right. Setting the stage the for win. Sergeant Slaughter to win the world title. With Seriously, he ran, in, he ran into the buckle. Tony Gurria ran into the buckle, and then Jesse drops an elbow. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Oh, you can see the teeth. Look at the teeth. Yes. Ugh, yeah, Kevin such... Kevin Dunn and Sean Mooney. Kevin, piece of shit. He suck. He sucks. I want to go back in this. I want to go back in time. If I could go back in time, I would tell Kevin Dunn to stop at the friggin' seizure-causing camera shots that are going on these days. Thank you. Thank you. Look if at you how could go back. If you could go back in time and change one thing, the fact that you chose that one thing makes you a hero. Yes. It's very, very selfless. Well, you know, what can I tell you? Yeah. If I could go back and no, if I could go back in time and change one thing from the past, I'll tell you exactly what it would be. Okay. I would tell I would tell Adam Sandler that he should make that he should let Chris Farley know that there's a movie that he's going to make tons of money and it's called Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, uh Kevin James really did horn in on uh I would say that, I, it would go oh, There's Pritchard. That's Bruce Pritchard there at the uh, Bruce no. Pritchard. Is it is it him? No, it's some dude with a mustache no, again. No, it's a guy with a mustache. I thought it was Pritchard. Oh, look, it's the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. And Savage. Yes, this is a Harlem street fight. Oh, yes! It's fucking Bad News Brown! Are you shitting me? This is on, these are one of these matches on tape? Yes. Oh, it, yeah! This is... Well, this is before Savage's turn, of course. Oh, so this is January 16th, 1989... Randy Savage versus Bad News Brown in Hamilton, Ontario at the Cox nice. Coliseum. Look at fucking Savage. Look at the outfit he's got on. He's got on like this, these white army fatigue, you know, uh, with like a, with like a Gold's Gym shirt and then a belt, like a Gold's Gym belt. And Bad News Brown has a New York Mets shirt on. You think the dude from Harlem would be more of a fan of the Yankees, but hey, even I can be surprised. Yeah. Well, wait, this is 1989, early 1989. Yes. Well, the Mets, the Mets were the Mets, were the Mets okay in '88. Yeah, they won the National League East, but they really faded starting in '89. So, but any by this point in '89, it was still been good to be a Mets fan. Oh Where, yeah. Whereas we know that the Yankees were not good in '88, right? They were okay. They were they were in contention for a very weak division towards the end of the season, yeah. but they they had a lot of structural issues that were. Mm. Look at Elizabeth getting like she's getting like right up on she's like coddling Savage. Well, yeah, she's she's a she's a very good manager. Oh no! Wait, those aren't army pants. Those are like those are like pajama pants. Looks like he has, looks like Savage Bad, like his ass. Bad news is like chasing after. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so surprised that Bad News Brown has a Mets shirt on. <laughs> it's like distracting you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like I I can't watch this match. All I all I can think of is I wonder what Bad News Brown thinks of Daryl Strawberry. He probably loves Daryl Strawberry. Tell him he's gonna hit. He's gonna. Yeah, he moved and his hand hit the pole. Yes. yes. Oh, this is awesome. I love this. I love Savage in this like 
this outfit. This is great. And there's a table at ringside that's like right up against the ring, and you feel like that's going to come into play, but it's 1989, so probably not. Double axe. These guys are dressed like how Sandman dressed in that ECW show we watched. Yeah. Sandman and Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> Savage is smart to wear the weightlifting belt so that he could just uh, use it as a weapon. Yeah. I think, he, I think he hit him in the hand with that one. Yeah. Ah, uh, See, you know, I'm kind of pissed that we didn't get like a Saturday night's main event or anything out of these two. Like, I know they ran the house shows. Stuff, yeah, but, I mean, dude, they push that angle on they push that angle on TV, and it never really they never really had a payoff. Other like than world. other than at the Royal Rumble, which would have been the night before this, Savage was eliminated at the same time as Bad News to facilitate yeah. more Mega Powers tension. And of course, Bad News did lose on Saturday Night's main event, in March of '89, but it was to Hogan, not to Savage. Did Savage put his Savage put the weightlifting belt back on? He did. Wow, <laughs> what a, what, a, what a peculiar thing to do. Well, he you was, know what, you know what, you know what? It's because if he puts it back on, that means bad news can't use it. Yeah, I guess. Like reholstering your gun, except yeah. you know a much less deadly weapon. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess. I I just find it funny that he went outside of the ring to get a chair and he put his belt back on. Like, that's kind of <laughs> funny. Like you would think he would just like discard it. Uh oh. Hey, and there's a there's a fun there's a lucky fan. <laughs> I don't. Uh, okay, so Savage gets tossed over the guardrail into the crowd. I don't get the whole notion of like why everybody feels like they got to touch Savage. Like no wonder no wonder why he was so freaked out with like Elizabeth walking to the ring when they're. <laughs> Like if you've ever watched, I mean, <laughs> that chick just like that chick just heaved him over the ri- over the yes. guardrail. That was funny. <laughs> she was like, "Get out of my fucking lap, buddy." Uh, here's a ta- here's a table that's not going to break. He, this is not a TLC match. Yeah, this is a if, table that is not going to break. If you ever watch, if you ever want a good laugh, watch Elizabeth's entrance at WrestleMania five. And watch Pat Patterson behind her with his arms over her shoulders, and he's walking like a zombie. It is the funniest fucking thing ever. <laughs> oh, bad! Oh, oh bad! Takes oh, out the, the table ref. broke. And the ref- the referee took the table bump. On oh, the re- and the table broke. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, hit him with the ghetto blaster. Hit him with the ghetto blaster. Yes! Oh, a beautiful ghetto blaster. And he's going to pin the champion. champion. Oh, Count. Two, One, three, two, three, uh, five, five, six. Where is that referee? Where is that uh, referee? Damn it. Get him up. Come on, is, bad news. This is where we needed somebody like Bill Alfonso or Teddy Long hitting the ring to, to count the three. Bad News Brown is your new WWF World Heavyweight Champion, folks. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan will get the title shot at WrestleMania 5. No, no, actually, he's not going to put the belt up because the match was signed beforehand. Ah, oh, that's awesome. This is great. This is now this is a best of. Yeah, you're, you're giving this match approximately eight and a half stars. You're over there. You're like you're like Meltzer watching Kenny Omega with this match. one. Match. Look at you're that. Gonna one, start, you're going to start doing jazz hands in his honor. Look at that. One, two, three, four, five. He had him. It's because it's fucking Bad News Brown, man. Bad News is so pissed that the referee hasn't gotten up yet. He's like dope slapping him in the back of the head. Come on. Get up, brother. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, and he slaps the referee. Maybe it's possible that some of these fans, even though this is Eastern Canada, might be fam- even familiar with Bad News and Stampede years in the years preceding this. Yeah, and they're thinking they're they're looking around for Bruce Hart. <laughs> On a oh, yes. one, one, two, two three, oh, another referee. Another referee came in, and Savage stole the victory with a backslide. Shades of Drew McIntyre, SummerSlam 2020. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, nice. What a match. Bad News is going to get his heat back by uh, stomping Savage. And the referee who was down from before. Uh-oh. That's going to cost him some money, Jess. Oh! oh he kicked the, fucking oh, kicked the he other referee in the balls. Kicked. He just mule kicked the other re- Oh, that was fantastic. He kicked the other referee. That's going to cost him some money. Uh-oh. This might get him suspended. Yeah, you can't do that to a referee, he's bad news. He's going to put the other referee in the tree of woe and just uh, stomp a mud hole in him. Yeah, and Savage, look at Savage selling it. Like, Savage overselling, I love it. Get in there, Savage. you got to rescue those guys. You're still a face. You're still the champion. Yeah. Yeah, the wow, crowd is still pretty mental. Yeah, for this is awesome. Ah, dude, they should have given him fucking two years with the title. Who cares? They could have had him run with the belt for another year. Like WrestleMania, yeah. like have WrestleMania five, the main event be him and Bad News Brown in like a cage. Have have Hogan fight. I don't know whoever. It's, have Hogan it's very him. hard to argue with what they did because they sold seven hundred and fifty thousand pay per views. Oh, I am, no, of course. Well, of course, because it was a huge angle that the, the explosion was bound to happen. They had. I mean, they built the friggin' they built the mega powers exploded before they friggin' built the mega powers together. Like, who's this? Oh, look, Paul Paul, Paul Romer is gonna break this Romer. up single handedly. Rugged Ronnie Gavin, friggin' Red Rooster. This is who you send out. Uh, I'd hate to go to this Hamilton. Red, show. Red, Red Rooster got dope slapped by uh, Bad News there, probably because he knows Terry oh. Taylor's views on race. Oh, Iron Mike Shop. Who's that? Is that who's that? Valentine. Oh God. Yeah. Does, Valentine, does Valentine and Ronnie Gobbin stop fighting? I hope so. Why does Valentine look like he looked? He looked kind of like Barry Windham there for a second. Kind of did. I thought he did. For I thought it was Barry Windham. I was going to say, is that is that the but Widowmaker? Then what? then I then he turned his head and I'm like, all oh, right, the suburban mom haircut. What a terrible man! What a terrible card. If this is who they had, Roma Garvin. Yeah, but you got to see this match. Rooster. Uh, Valentine. Yeah, but they're not going to waste like Hacksaw Jim Duggan coming out to like break this up. <laughs> they're going to put sacrificial lambs out there. Uh, Danny Davis. <laughs> yeah, it is, and he's in street clothes. <laughs> GFA Live alum Danny Davis. You know, I know you mentioned him earlier, but I, I think Danny Davis kind of looks like Peter North also. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should have teamed with Val Venus at some point. And being managed by Tony Gurria. Um, this is this is wild. This fight is still going on, and they're going to fight yeah. all the way back to the dressing room. Yeah. Or actually, they've held, they've held Savage down. I like that Rooster and, doesn't have his 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 hair. He doesn't have his cock of the walk haircut. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the Red Rooster at this point, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh he's yeah. The, he's the Red Rooster. Like he's not. You know, yes. like he's yeah, he's like got the fucking and, hair, right? And he had and he had just turned Heenan on yeah. Heenan, 
yeah. or Heenan had just turned on him, depending yeah. on your perspective. He doesn't have the little rooster thing in his hair yet, though. I noticed that. I didn't he didn't, that. or he didn't have it at this juncture. Didn't have it at this juncture. He, he, he had it. Yeah. yeah. So that I, I would say that that match there was easily the best one that we've seen since we've been watching these. Yeah. Oh, are we going to do, like, Place to Be and do our own awards at the end of this? Like, the, well, the, well, for that episode that you proposed. for The Warrior Award? <laughs> yeah. Who had the best? Who was? What's the hair award? Uh, I, I think it's now the Rooster Award. <laughs> Rooster Award. It's got to be Tony Gurria <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> Sean Mooney is... be awesome if there was an event center. He cuts into the Red Rooster has a problem with Bobby the Brain Heenan. They're going to settle it at the Worcester Centrum. This is a very interesting match in that I don't know how often these two teams would have ever gone two on two. It is Rick Rude and Andre the Giant mm-hmm. against Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Jake the Snake Roberts, who are oh. uh, a super, super Mid South team or something. Yeah. And this took place May 31st, 1988 at a Fresno, California wrestling challenge taping. Fresno! (laughs) Fresno. Fresno! I got a refugee coming in from Fresno. Just think, LaRusso could have been at this card if he had played his uh, cards right. Uh, Look at Duggan. Instead, he went to... he went to Okinawa and almost banged that smoke show if that hurricane didn't come. Seriously. What could have been? Yeah, I mean, is there any doubt that if there was no tropical storm or whatever the hell it was, that uh, I, I guess ironically it, w- it might have been a typhoon that <laughs> he that uh, short-circuited his uh, aspirations to, uh, to to penetrate that young woman? Well, I mean, here's the question, though. Were they drinking tea in the same place that earlier Mr. Miyagi and uh, Kimiko were drinking tea? Because that means that that means Danielson almost banged. No, Kimiko is the girl. Yeah. What's the old lady's name? Yukio. Yukie. 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 So, yeah, Mr. Miyagi definitely banged Yukie when they were drinking tea. Because as we know, in Okinawa culture, first you drink the tea, then you take the pee. So it's like... <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Look at Andre already getting tied up. Andre, oh. did, the, Andre did the the, the rope spot like almost instantly. Like 30 seconds into the match, and Andre's already locked in the ropes. Well, it's a, it's a time to sit back and relax. Oh, they're using Rude as a battering ram into Andre. That was a cool spot. These are the bushwhackers. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I like Jake's tights. He's got this, like, black and white tights with, with, like, an intertwining snake on it. I like these tights. He never wore those again. Bobby! Bobby! <laughs> Can I just correct you on something? To me, yeah. it's clear that Miyagi only got a blowjob. In, in that spot. I don't know if there, I don't There's so. no way they went all the way that quickly. Why not? He hasn't seen her in all those that in those years. She didn't get married. You know? <laughs> he thought he was gonna he thought he thought Yukie was gonna marry Sato and she went no and he goes, Why not? And she was like, Because of you. So you know she wasn't getting laid. 
So she said, you know, and Miyagi hasn't had sex since his fucking wife died in the internment camp, as we established in the first movie. So, no, 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 dude. Mr. Miyagi definitely fucking pounded that poon that night. <laughs> I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> they got 40 years of not having sex between them. <laughs> wow. How about she, went, that? she went, take it slow. And he went, Ey! And then he and then he fucking took a bath. No, no, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that living in Southern California, Miyagi, a guy who owns inexplicably owns like ten classic cars, couldn't pull down some piece of ass when he fuck, wanted to? He was a janitor at like a fourth rate motel housing complex. <laughs> what was he going that's, to the Hey, that's what was hey, he that, going that's, to fucking fun and games on the weekends to try to score some? Hey some man, that's like single moms? Hey, man, that's like your opinion, okay? <laughs> that is not fact. Listen, these are facts. Mr. Miyagi definitely didn't get laid the whole time he was in America. And the guy was a fucking war vet. He came back and he was like, his his wife was dead. He was still having to go kill fucking Nazis or kill Italians in World War II. Which I was like, that's amazing. Here he is, a German American, I mean, a Japanese American, killing Germans... Over in World War II for America, and his Japanese American wife is in an internment camp, dying while delivering birth. And he's over there going, and then poor Daniel's son comes in. (laughs) Yeah, and Daniel wants to, he like frames the medals, and he has to remind him, this say you brave, this say you lucky. What a what a movie that is! Oh my god! Oh, we just talked about that all because this match takes place in Fresno. <laughs> well, Fresno. hey, well, I don't I don't think of Fresno for anything else other than Larusso getting saved from moving there. Either that or uh, like Fresno State might have had a football team once. I think Trent Dilfer played for them. Hey, I don't know. I, I'm the only. Th- Anybody ever says Fresno? That's all I come to. Is Fresno. <laughs> you gotta give the you gotta give Miyagi credit though. He built that guest house pretty quickly. Yeah, man. Because Daniel came by after prom with his case of blue balls, and yeah. it, it was very surprised to see it. Yeah, because Allie fucking blue balled him. What a surprise! Al Allie dumped Allie dumped him oh. for uh, Tro- Allie dumped him for Troy Aikman. That's the word on the street. Was it Troy Aikman or Troy McClure? It has to be Troy Aikman. She said some football player from UCLA, and that's about the time that Trent, Troy Aikman might have been going there. It's just another reason I hate the Dallas Cowboys, folks. <laughs> just another reason. Troy Aikman still. Wow, imagine that if that's canon, that Troy Aikman bangs Ali Sheedy. Not Ali Sheedy. What was her name? Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Yes. Oh, and here's a. Here's a now, now Jake hadn't had the scare Andre to death thing with um. With yeah, his... that had that hasn't happened yet. Andre's issue is with Duggan, and Jake's issue is with Rude. Yet, if you notice, by Duggan is the bag with Damien. So Andre knows that the snake is there. Yeah, and yet he's not afraid. I'm that's afraid. right. That's right. Something must have happened between then and the Saturday Night's main event. And then something happened afterwards because he's not afraid of snakes when he helps Jake against Earthquake in 91. Well, his hatred of Earthquake was stronger than his fear of snakes. 
Andre's moving around pretty good in this match, all things considered. All right, so Andre had back surgery in 87 after WrestleMania 3, right? Supposedly, yeah. But then, so he had to feel pretty good for at least a year or two. I think it, I think, I think in 88 he felt better than he did, and they, they, they used him pretty heavily for a guy uh, of his health, but I think, on the flip side of it, Andre probably saw that his time was short and said, we, we, we got to get this shit in like right yeah. now. Like, right, but I mean, but he, no, no use saving myself for like WrestleMania 10. No, but like Andre, cause it's funny because 87, when he comes back, 88 and 89, Andre's still pretty mobile. It's not really until the end of 89. I think once you get past WrestleMania five, then he kind of loses interest. Yeah, but he's still he loses interest. But he's st- well. It's actually weird because I was I was I was watching. Uh, I don't know why, but today at my lunch I was watching that 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 uh, prime time. You know the one where Gorilla says that Ronnie Ronnie Gavin should be expecting a title any days now. And um, on that match is the Colossal Connection, and Andre literally comes in the last thirty seconds. And, yeah, he was the closer. Yeah. Haku pitched the first seven or eight innings, and Andre would come in and get the last few outs. But it's funny because it's a Tony Schiavone and Lord Alfred Hayes. A Tony Schiavone keeps referencing the fact that Andre hasn't come in yet. (laughs) You would have thought that Vince would have been like, don't make mention of the fact that Andre hasn't come in yet. Hey, at the 1990 Survivor Series, they talked about Tugboat being on the apron for like the first 20 minutes. And then they're like, they're saving Tugboat for the end. Like, no, they're not. (laughs) Yeah. They just don't want to tag him in. Well, it's just like how he doesn't even come in to that match with the Bushwhackers. And you don't realize it until they make a point that he hasn't come in yet. And then he comes in and he friggin' beats up the Bushwhackers and joins the Nasty Boys. <laughs> and yeah. you go, you know, and Jimmy Hart got to the tugboat, you know. <laughs> Jake and Rude in there right now. Rude does not have Cheryl Roberts on his tights at this point. It's just kind of the zigzag lines. You know, it was brought up in um, in the Place to Be podcast you were on recently for, mm-hmm. Saturday night for the main event was the fact that Earthquake maybe could have been the guy that won the title from the Warrior. Yeah. And I never thought of that before. And I went, that would have been awesome. Like if yeah. they had, instead of having Slaughter, have Earthquake beat Warrior. Even even if shit, even if they wanted to do it earlier than they did, you know. Because I mean, they definitely were. Although it really didn't matter, they were just looking to get the belt off a of Warrior, so it didn't matter. So I mean, keep it at the Rumble, have Hogan win the Rumble, and it's literally there is no reason to have Jack Tunney come out and do something because the it's right there. The blow off at WrestleMania Seven is Hogan versus yeah. Earthquake. That would have been awesome, and I bet you that would have sold just as many tickets. Yeah, although it probably would not have garnered the same negative publicity. <laughs> no, and I bet you Bob Bob uh, Costas would have been there, but, I mean, you know, I think that would have definitely worked out. Because there's that whole Bruce Pritchard thing where he was like, it was going to be Tugboat, Sheiky oh, Tugboat. Sheik Tugboat, yeah. Sheik Thomas, and it's like, no, that would have been terrible, but... If they earthquake, if earthquake had beaten Warrior and been the champ, that would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, I would have been psyched to see that. 
You, you, you would have been psyched. You would have you would have been friggin' coming all over the place. No, oh, well, let's 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 settle down here. I, I think you I can fuck, control myself a little bit. You fucking love Earthquake. You'd be commenting of how old he was the whole time. Yes, he is. He's twenty. He's twenty seven years old. <laughs> You'd be pointing at the TV, going, "Dad, this guy's only twenty seven. Did you know that?" You're you're, you're going to freak out of what's coming up next here. Mooney's <laughs> introducing it. It's the main event for the for the tape for the tape. Oh no. Ah! Ted DiBiase yes. in a limo, <laughs> but, but not from 1987. He's carrying a bundle of cash and it is driving around Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, I know what he's gonna do. I don't. Oh, I've only seen clips of this. Yes, which it's funny because this whole thing is a clip, but I've only seen clips of this. And yet another reason why I wish you could hear the freaking sound. That's okay. It's all right. He's. You know what he's saying right now. I can't wait till one day I get to rip off all of Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you almost timed the laugh exactly with him. (laughs) Is Virgil. It's fucking Luscious Brown. What was his name? Luscious Brown. Yeah. Uh, I want to go to this place one day. It still exists because they did like a, they did like a, I don't know what, 25 year, 30 year anniversary of this of this vignette uh, yeah i think so yeah dbs wanna... is, is just wearing a regular suit here and he, he mm-hmm. looks sharp without he does. the without the stupid looking you know million and i say stupid looking like in the context of everyday life yeah no, like it... obviously ted dbs's suits were almost all awesome but Glorious. you know he's going to a real jewelry store here he has to dress like a human being where he's talking to the Hammenegger about what he's looking for. I love the people just standing around watching. Well, they're getting their, they're getting twenty five bucks to look interested. You know, Vince gave them twenty five bucks each. Yeah, he's buying this fucking ten thousand dollar belt. He might as well. So he, he want wants them to design something that'll recog- you know get people to recognize the million dollar man as da 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 da. And the best part yep. about this belt is that I'll be the only one that wears it, right, Virgil? <laughs> it's not like in two years you're gonna I'm gonna do something and you're gonna run away and then I'm gonna have to lose it to you. <laughs> he, and you're gonna and you're gonna put it on the front of your car like a grill. <laughs> he he's backed this poor jewelry guy, store guy up like five steps by just continuing to step forward in a very subtle fashion. Now see what I think would be great is if is if Teddy Biasi pulled like a like a Donald Trump and just like took the belt and walked away and just when he was like, "Sir, you have to pay for that," he went, "No, I don't. I don't have to pay for anything." Well, I, I thought you were going to say Vladimir Putin with that Super Patriot Super Bowl ring. Yeah, he could years do that and years too. Ago. Now I'm wondering, did they film all these in one day? Because Dibiase's wearing a different suit, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think they did. I don't think he like got in the back of the limo and changed. No. You know what I was thinking of today while I was watching that WWF timeline? Did they when they took those photos of uh, Miss Elizabeth and Ric Flair? Do you think they they took all, they obviously they took the photos of Randy Savage and Elizabeth at the same time? <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> These are things I think about on my lunch break. <laughs> well, I, was like, huh. I go. I wonder if they just had like Savage standing in the background and then said, "All right, let's time to." Like I just, I just kind of pictured like either Bruce Pritchard or Vince like trying to like direct that whole fiasco, and just how funny it must have been. 
Like that's what I want to see the behind the scenes of. Hey, just some because of these, you the just filming because of some think, of these vignettes. Just because you think of that, I think they did a behind the scenes on the DBRC eighty seven vignettes, but that yeah. might have been a that might have been a Pritchard thing because he produced them. Mm-hmm. I like. I mean, it, it is our burden. We, we we do silly things like think like ponder Jim Brunzel's singles career while we're on the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what is this cape? It's fine. It's good cape weather. Good cape weather. <laughs> is that Frank Costanza's attorney? <laughs> <laughs> what is what is Virgil doing with a man in a cape? Why a cape? Why a cape? He doesn't. He doesn't follow the trends. <laughs> <laughs> well, the man. The, what was the material that DiBiase's suits were made out of? Like his, the ones he would wear to the ring. Um, I mean, I would have to say, like, what's a tracksuit made out of? Like, what's like, know, a, guess... what's like a running suit made out of? I don't know if that's. I guess it would be polyester, not polyester. Yeah, some kind of polyester material. Some kind of yeah. It's like it's like that. Like, yeah. I think it's whatever the, it's whatever that, uh, that 1984, um, you know, uh, Olympic, Olympia, Olympic Games jacket I had that I got oh. out of the box of Special K <laughs> or Wheaties. It's Wait, like that I, weird, I, like, you know, plastic material. I'm surprised they let you have Special K. I thought you could only get regular K. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah, but now. I love you. Because we haven't gotten our, we haven't gotten any Bruce Pritchard on this, so we go to the Brother Love Show from the March fourth, nineteen eighty nine edition mm-hmm. of Superstars in Binghamton, New York. This the vignettes ran for three weeks, yeah, and then and then they do this unveiling here. Because remember, Brother Love's benefactor was Brother Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Brother million dollar man. <laughs> no, no, I I love when he just calls him brother million. Yeah, because it, it makes it sound like he's like uh, some guy from the wire. And brother Virgil, who's like who's the other one he calls that has like the the name? It was like I can't remember, like like brother brother Mister, <laughs> like brother Mister Mister Perfect, brother Mister. <laughs> No, I think it's Brother Million. I think it is. It's Brother yeah. Million. That's funny. Bruce I was I, I was hoping to capture the audio of Pritchard saying Brother Virgil. Brother Virgil. So this is this is the public reveal. Yeah. They showed DiBiase looking at it and being maniacally happy with it, but now it's now it's going to be unveiled to everybody. And I remember watching this when it aired. And I just sort of shrugged my shoulders and I was like, meh. meh. It's not as cool looking as the world title. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I thought I thought it was a little gaudy, <laughs> just a little bit, a little bit. What I yeah, thought was I was a I, nine-year-old kid and I was judging uh, the the. Um, you went ugh. Brother, it was this ought to be good. Ugh. ugh, this ought to be good. What you should have said was, uh, no, you know what's weird is that he he should have he should have done a thing where he defended it every week. Against like all the jobbers he was wrestling on superstars, you like, but, like make title, yeah, yeah, but like make specifically noted that it's being defended. Like the following contest is for the million dollar championship. Currently in the ring from 
Tuscaloosa, Alabama, <laughs> Mike Jones. But oh, no, wait, Mike Jones. Mike is, Jones is is the actual is the guy name, that actually Virgil. You, um, out of all fucking names you could have chosen in the world, you chose Virgil's shoot name. <laughs> I chose the Un- name. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I chose the name of the guy who actually won the title. Um, yeah, but you say, like, you know, okay, like, you know, Pete Winston, and then, like, you wave your hand, your little, you know, singlet, and then DiBiase comes out and he's the champ, and then at the end, winner and still million-dollar champion. <clears throat> oh, maybe we should go back to talking about Karate Kid 2 <laughs> and all the sexual tension in that movie. Whoa, there it is. That is a cool-looking belt. That is a little gaudy, though. Well, it took a beating over the years. Hmm. Oh, Virgil, of course, is going to be the one to pick it up. Of course. Hmm. Virgil holding it aloft. And then he would get to do so again in 1991. Yeah. Until the repo man screwed him. Yep. I love the I love the million dollar belt that came with DiBiase's. Uh, yeah, I was just figure. I was just going to friggin' say that was my favorite. That's he's one of the first two guys I had, and the reason being is because he came with the belt and Jake came with the snake, and those are the first two figures I bought because I was like I wanted I wanted accessories. Oh, I thought it was just because you were a huge fan of Mid South. No, <laughs> you wanted to get the Duggan one next. You wanted to just rebuild the Universal Wrestling Federation. Duggan had an accessory, too. If there's one thing I love, it's accessories. All right. It's our final match, and you're going to flip out for this one. Okay. And, yeah, Ted DiBiase, this is is taped at a a challenge taping March 8, 1989. Okay. So So DiBiase in the ring, and his opponent. I'm glad I can't hear it. I don't want, you know. Oh, yeah, you, you can't hear the sound. That's okay. But who is it? Oh, no. AOA. Ah! <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, I've seen them wrestle. So, oh, while, so, while, so while this might not be the Saturday Night's main event from April of 91, it is my, Bret Hart oh, versus Ted DiBiase. I lo- and Bret's got those hybrid sunglasses on again. I love it. Oh, this is so good. Hybrid sunglasses. I love it. Oh, yes. Put his hands out in that what-the-fuck pose that I don't know what to call it. (laughs) I can't not listen to Bret Hart's music and not do the hand, those hand motions. The what-the-fuck, man. That's exactly what it is. It's the what-the-fuck. Oh, it's Mike McGurk, daughter of Frank McGurk, right? Hold on. All right, well, uh, apparently Virgil uh, bullied Mike McGurk into making some sort of announcement about the million-dollar ah. championship, which is not being defended in this one. No. <sighs> That's so, awesome. So th- this is actually one match where, well, clearly I know that Brett does not win the million-dollar belt, but I- I'm interested to see what the finish is here. Yeah. Well, this is during Brett's singles push, right? It would be Brett's single push number two, according yeah. to various methods. The commonly accepted Bret Hart push accounting principles. Mm-hmm. I forget what the acronym is for that. It's a lot of letters. 
<laughs> I believe the acronym is Hitman. <laughs> if you put an S right in front of it, uh, that's, I'll, it'll tell you what I think about this push. What I'll tell you about this you put an S right in front of it, and then you got it right there, son. Um, Tim White is our referee. Yeah, referee Timmy White. Oh, a nice little crossbody by Brett. Yes. Yes, he was always a good Mac tactician. Mac tactician. <laughs> oh, that kid in the front row it really hates Teddy Biasi. Yeah, he was. Too, he took a swing at him. Did doesn't that kid doesn't know if he's you lucky. take a swing at them? <laughs> He's lucky DiBiase didn't run into the crowd and bust that his kid, ass up. Yeah, he the, did the up yours thing. What the hell? No, that kid in the tugboat shirt just did a DX thing to him. <laughs> the tugboat shirt. Yeah, it's not a it's not a shirt of tugboat. It was like that, you know, striped red and white sailor yes. shirt that tugboat wore, just for those listening. Um he did like the DX thing. He flashed the DX symbol at him. Even this kid knew back then that you know, Brett Howe was going to be facing some kind of a degenerate. <laughs> no, a degenerate? I thought he was more of a fastizio. <laughs> All right, we've made our obscure Family Guy reference for today. <laughs> That's a very cromulent word. All of my Family Guy references are from like 2007 and before because I, I retained nothing about that show after its comeback. Yeah, you know what's funny is I watch that show a lot too and I don't remember anything. But I remember everything from The Simpsons. I don't know why. Because you saw reruns on Channel 25 every night at 7 for about 10 years. Yeah. The first eight seasons, you know? When when they did that, remember when they ran on FXX, they ran the uh, Every Simpsons Ever? Yep. And it was, it was like, what was it, like a week and a half, like nonstop? I think it was, hours. I think it was like three weeks. Was legitimately. It, three weeks? it was like legit. I... I remember watching, I probably watched, um, I would say conservatively, 65% of that. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Because I was just, I think I was home. I think I was working from home, so I was home all day, and I just had it on all day. And then, yeah, I wouldn't watch the ones between the hours of, like, midnight and 5 a.m., but, uh, you know, I watched almost all the rest of it. Who's and to I remember, say like, that? And to think, people say that you can't complete a marathon, that you're not in shape. Well, clearly you did well in the Simpsons marathon. I did. I probably would have. I I finished probably about as much of the Simpsons marathon as I would. uh, Well, not the not the Boston marathon. That's for sure. I'm not. uh, Yeah, I have a hard time seeing you go 18 miles. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, Brett. Brett tries a crossbody with DiBiase tied up in the ropes. DiBiase is able to escape, and Brett takes a. Pretty nasty good bump right it right into right into the ropes. Yeah, that's a weird kind of bump because it's like not really giving. Even though the yeah. ropes give, it's not like you know. Yeah, these ropes are bump. not as wobbly as uh, one of the rings that we saw last week. No, that is weird. That's a weird bump that Brett took. Thankfully, he didn't take that that often. Let's hope Tim White actually isn't uh, counting too fast here. Because a, a count out finish in five minutes to end this tape. This is not what I'm looking for. No. Plus, we haven't seen the Bret Hart Memorial charge under the turnbuckle yet. He's not fucking dead. I love that move, though, when he runs into the turnbuckle. Yeah. Well, even more to that, I loved loved the rare times, I think, when I would see Owen do it, too. Mm. I swear I remember Owen Hart doing it also. Yeah, I think once, like, Owen turned heel... 
and like started mimicking Brett almost all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I learned it from watching you. Yeah, you know it's you know what's funny. I, this is gonna sound weird, so bear with me. Bret Hart, Bret Hart is kind of like the Jimmy Carter of professional wrestling. <laughs> oh, oh, I, do go on because <laughs> I because I feel like I feel like a lot of wrestlers that retire are like bitter and cut these bitter shoot interviews where they talk about how they got screwed and you know and Brett. Not that Brett doesn't. Are, are, you Brett, gonna, are you trying to say that Brett Hart has never complained about no. his plight? No, 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 no. Because Brett does. Brett complains, and Brett has opinions on everybody. I'm waiting to see how this comes back to Jimmy Carter. But Brett is like Brett's also very like honest about himself. So like when he like there's a lot of like shoot interviews where you see Brett comparing like you know ranking wrestlers and ranking like Hogan and right and he always ranks himself and he never ranks himself as like 10 10 10 10 like he's always like you know I give myself like a you know like a like a 4 on promos and then really by the time I got to 97 it was like I was like probably like a 7 or an 8 on promo but it seems like the older Brett gets and if you follow him on Twitter or you follow him on Facebook or whatever he seems like he's just getting more and more nicer and like more and more like jolly and that's where i kind of come back to the jimmy hart because it's like jimmy hart jimmy hart not jimmy hart jimmy carter <laughs> jimmy hart <laughs> president president jimmy hart yes Maybe. um i think jimmy carter is definitely the uh the, the greatest example of a post-president ever you yeah. know because his post-presidency the man is truly a gem and i feel that the older brett gets the more of like a true gem and just a genuine nice guy. And he seems to be getting less bitter as the years go on. And I just think like every time I see him now, he posts like such positive, nice things. <laughs> well, like... I mean, it would be hard for him to be more bitter than he was before. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that that is somewhat dissipated, but I, I do, I do like your your Bret Hart and Jimmy Carter analogy. Although, let us not forget that Jimmy Carter is history's greatest monster, as per that Simpsons episode. <laughs> Another Simpsons reference. I mean, <sighs> Bret blocks the vertical suplex and gets one of his own. Yeah, this match seems to be very similar to their '91 Saturday Night's main event match. You know, I, I was going to lose my shit if I saw that guy for the with the Packers jersey in the front row again. <laughs> well, where is this? Where is this taping? <laughs> uh, this is Odessa, Texas. Oh, okay. So Odessa. <laughs> Sorry. Also, the fact that 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 taping with the Packers jersey was from 1987, and this yes. is from 1989. So. Well, you know, the Packers were doing. Mighty fine in 1989. Ooh, nice back suplex. DiBiase letting all Japan know that while he's under an exclusive WWF contract, the second he gets out, he'd love to come back and team with somebody like Stan Hansen in the 93 Real World Tag League. Letting even though know, that ended up not happening. Letting letting all Japan know that he came to play. <laughs> There's a price to pay. <laughs> I came to play. So... <laughs> So, so, so Brett did the, Brett did the thing into the turnbuckle, but it was his back. Oh, yeah. here it comes. Well, He's I'm got wondering if they're going to do the cross corner. Here it comes, here right? Here it is. This is it. Here we go. Oh, I love it. No. Nope. Oh, come on. Why isn't he doing the chest bump? 
You know, he's not your monkey. He's not just going to take spot requests. That would be great, though, if if they did like a match where they where where people like voted on the next spot. They should have done that at one of those taboo Tuesdays. Well, I I think we're we're we are not far away from like a wrestler who has an OnlyFans that allows uh, a fan who donates a hundred dollars to call a match. I don't know how it would be done. Maybe That's... through. Morse code or something? I don't That's know. A, no, you know what? That would be a... Oh, and a small package! Tell me he gets them! No. Oh, he's not going to Two count. 1989, Ted DiBiase is not losing to 1989, Brett the Hitman Hot. Yeah. Well, oh, Brett seems to favor that inside cradle move. Yeah, Brett had his moment on the next tape. He was the star of volume 20. Yeah. Yeah, Brett... Isn't this the, Brett, isn't this the same Bret Hart that had 48... Time limit draw finishes with Mr. Perfect turning this year. Yeah, later, later in uh, later in '89, because this is before WrestleMania Five. Ah, DiBiase. It was probably one of his first times with the million dollar belt. I guess that Brother Love show was taped on February fifteenth, and this one is about three weeks later. Mm. I came to play. There's a price to pay. Now see, he got concussed at WrestleMania. I don't know what the Miz's song is. Anyway, but not Matt Hardy at the last AEW pay per view that the whole world went nuts online. Oh, that, oh, that shit was bad. Yeah. Yeah. What do I know about AEW pay per views? Oh, you heard me say. Well, I, I I did obviously hear about that from from Twitter. Yeah, your Twitter went Twitter Twitter went nuts, man. How dare AEW keep going? Blah, blah, blah. It was like I was like, did Matt Hardy fall from the rafters and break his neck on a turnbuckle? What happened? I was like, what the hell happened? Well, it was a stupid spot because it wasn't. Yeah, I saw the, the, it I wasn't. Saw the yeah, spot. it wasn't even going to be the finish either. So I, I saw mean, the spot. It was like, okay, he hit his head. Well, they, they were supposed to dive onto something and they missed. Yeah. I mean, well, he missed. Yeah, that's pretty piss poor if you ask me. I mean, me. you know, it'll be the it'll be the main point of Botchamania this week when the Botchamania tape comes out. But no, nah, I mean, it's just and then Twitter went nuts. You know, Tony Khan needs to sell his. He should sell his company, and you know, Chris Jericho should. Be ashamed of himself. Cody Rhodes needs to retire. You know that whole that whole thing. Cody Rhodes needs to get that friggin' tattoo removed. Yeah, that's like in some of the dumbest things. It, that's like got to be up there. With Tyson I haven't I haven't tattoo. been that upset by a tattoo since Mike Tyson's face tattoo. I just said that about Tyson. I was like, like that's up there with Tyson's face tattoo. Yeah. Although now I'm used to Tyson's face tattoo. I don't think I'm going to get used to Cody Rhodes's tattoo. Didn't Tyson, didn't Tyson like explore having it removed or something? Um, I think he did, but that's a lot of money, and also know. it's his face. Yeah. Listen, cocaine's yeah. a hell of a drug. I, don't I think the lesson is don't get face tattoos. <laughs> I think the lesson is, folks, is don't get tattoos on any part of your body you can't cover up. Yeah. Well, he could he could have gone like all Ray Mysterio and just worn a mask. You know, except for when Mysterio lost the mask. But we're not supposed to remember that. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, 
one of the YouTube channels that just has like WCW matches from '99. Like, there's a Rey Mysterio match from like a Thunder that has like literally like 40 million views because it's a Rey Mysterio unmasked match. I wonder if like I wonder if Rey Mysterio is allowed to go to Mexico. Like, he probably could never wrestle in Mexico ever again. Yeah, I don't know what the circumstances of that is, but it's well, also get... it's also Rey Mysterio, so I think you know they might just let things go. I don't know, man. That whole luchador thing is a pretty big deal in Mexico. Yeah. Well, look, like... Brett Brett was gold bricking there, oh, and he's going to yeah. slam DiBiase off the top. Nice. The Brick Flair Memorial nut drop, nut flip. <laughs> I'm wondering what the finish. I mean, I, I'm assuming Brett's going to get pinned, but I, I kind of want to see how it happens here. I have a feeling it might be one of those things where, like, DiBiase catches him in the corner and then goes to pin him and puts his feet on the ropes. Oh, the old uh, uh, Ric Flair finish. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know if DiBiase beats him fair here. He might, but I don't know. Oh, or it's well, going to be like a double count out or some bullshit. He'll, heels cheat, pal. Hey, heels do cheat, pal. Yeah, these pal. guys work. These guys are definitely, there's a good shit, pal. These guys are definitely working this match. Like, DiBiase's sweating like an asshole. Look at his Actually, hair. You know what I'm rooting for now? I'm rooting for a time of a draw just to hear you all pissed off. <laughs> that another Bret, another Bret Hart-involved time limit draw. Yeah. Um, you know what I like is that DiBiase's sweating so much that the product is gone from his hair now. <laughs> like, all the hairspray that he had in his hair is gone. <laughs> Well, the the oil is still very much in Brett's hair at this point. Yes. Side backbreaker. Okay. Now he's going to go to the second rope. We'll be able to tell if he boat. hits. But if he turns, no, he's definitely oh, connected. He hit it. He hit it. Is he going to do sure. the Russian leg sweep? You know, you're not going to beat the million dollar man not hooking a leg. No, you're not. You ought to know that. That's a rookie mistake, right? Or uh, oh yeah, a cardinal mistake for a ring veteran. Oh, Brett does oh! Miss, Brett does miss a charge into the corner, but he he it was a it was a high knee. That it was a high knee. Uh oh! And now DiBiase, seeing a weakness, is going to exploit that weakness. Is he going to do figure four? or Is he going to do a spinning toe hold? Oh, he's spin. doing a spinning toe hold. Yeah. Well, there's only one guy that, and the, well, there's two guys right. No, there's only one guy right now that's. Oh. Brett Uh-oh. Brett kicks DiBiase off, and he goes ass over tea kettle over the top rope, just as he did against Flair in 85, yep. except he didn't hit his head on the guardrail this time. Oh, Brett with the uh, slingshot. I guess you could say like a suicide slingshot body walk, cross body. We'll call it effective. <laughs> I always like when the announcers don't know what to call it. Like, call it effective. <laughs> Sounds like it was some kind of plancha. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do a fucking double count out as the main event. It is a, it is, it is a double count out, isn't it? Yeah. It is a double count out. Well, I called it. I said a double count out or some now, bullshit Brett, like that. Brett's going after Virgil, brother Virgil. Yeah. Oh, he might put him in the sharpshooter. Oh wait, Brett's not doing the sharpshooter at this point. No. Maybe this is where Brett learned the counter to the Million Dollar Dream was studying for this DiBiase match, and he used it at Survivor Series '96. DiBiase kind of just took like a bad fall out of the ring. Did you see yeah, he that? did. Who's this, John Laurinaitis? <laughs> I don't know. He looks like a 
This this asshole looks like a cross between Jim Cornette and Jim Courier, the tennis player. <laughs> he, who the hell is this guy? Is this the lawyer? I don't know. I'm trying to pick up the voice. Hold on. Well, come into this dark room. We have somebody waiting for you. It's Outlaw Ron Bass. <laughs> it's actually a snuff film, and they take out Mooney. They locked him in the room. He locked him in the room. Set storage. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it, folks. Copyright 1989. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to get closing credits because there's only 20 seconds left in the video. No. So we're not going to get special thanks to, you know, Rod Trongard or something. <laughs> no. No. They didn't have to give any money to, uh, Marvel Comics or Marvel Comics Unlimited or whatever for the use of Hulk. Yeah, Hogan's nowhere to be found on this. Yeah, thing. that's probably maybe one of the only ones. I think we've seen Hogan on every other best of, right? I think so. Yeah. Wow, no Hogan. But it was it was worth it for the Randy Savage Bad News Brown match. Hell yeah, that was awesome. Yes, I'm, I'm actually that was a really good best of. Now that was a pretty good best of. Including yeah. the Jesse Body Tony Garea fiasco, I thought that was great. So no, I'm very happy with this with this um, episode that we did. So in um, I'm writing down the numbers again, and I probably should have wrote these down. You've done what four, fourteen? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this is nineteen. We've done twenty. We've done eight. Yeah. And then 12, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, 17, 17. So, the, uh, we probably should do an early number next, correct? Okay. Yeah. So, all right, so we've done, what did we do? <laughs> Which one have we done? We've done, we did four, 20, we did four, four, eight, four, eight. 14, 17, 19, 20, with a Powerball of 41. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I don't want to do... Uh, I don't want to... I don't want to do have, one. I don't you're going to you're gonna have to do one at some point, but uh, I'll, I'll defer on that, because I know that one thing in that's going to drive you insane. So. Oh, really? What if we I, do... What if we do volume two? Volume two. Okay, that sounds good to me. Because we're going to be getting into some early shit on that one. And yeah. I'm, but I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to reveal um, what that is to you yet, okay. because you know, I, I I know you like to be surprised, and you you, you want to get. You know, sometimes you just want to get back to a place in your life. And for you, you want to get back to that place when you saw 1986 Virgil uh, walk on and uh, shock the world, shock the world by taking Paul Orndorff to the to the limit on an episode of Challenge. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. So we're going with two. Yeah. And okay. I'm I'm looking at the lineup for two. I'm not going to reveal it to you. No. But, don't. Um, in fact, I'm not even going to tell you which way it's going to go, but what I, what I will tell you is if you like Tony Gurria's hair, this is the tape for you. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Um, 
if you'll pardon the expression, and, yeah. and, you know, my, my my grandfather used to say this a lot. There's a lot of fucked up shit on this tape. <laughs> <laughs> Said it all the time. But yeah. There's a lot of fucked up shit on this tape. Really? Okay. Um, um all right. Wait, would you say there was one thing on the first on volume one that's gonna irritate me? Yes. Because okay. because uh there's a certain guy who I'm not gonna say his name. He's not Voldemort <laughs> oh. or Ben or Benoit. But okay. a certain guy who looks like Jim Belushi that uh oh, you Jesus you do not Christ. like. Oh Jesus, Lord have mercy! No, I can't. No, oh no, is it? Oh, ugh. it's got to be early, right? It's early. What is it? Eighty yeah. five. Ah, oh, so it's got to be. Are they? To, is it I, have to I, do? With, is it have to do with a certain guy that looks like Jim Belushi dealing with a guy that he ugh, that was in his backyard a lot? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lot, lot, lot of yard talk in that one. <laughs> lot, lot... Yeah, that might have to be the last one we watch if that's the case. <laughs> okay, I'm I, I'm I'm fine with that. Although there 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 are a few other things on Volume One that uh, are okay. That, 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 yeah, that aren't that aren't so bad. All right. But all right, well, then I'll make, all right. How about this? When we get to the point where we record our next GFA live. Mm-hmm. I will let you make the decision if we watch if we watch two or one. I will leave it up to you. Oh no, we're gonna watch two. No, okay. Because I'm gonna feel good about having that crossed off the list afterwards. Because holy shit, that's the best stuff, huh? Isn't it? Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> now, now, just because something was released in 1985 doesn't mean that the material is gonna be from 1985. I'm just gonna give you that heads up right now. That oh, really? As I'm looking at it, I would say maybe two matches from that are from 1985. You're not, you're not, you're not instilling with a lot of confidence right now. Hey, hey, look. I mean, if it, if if the conversation leads to such places like Mr. Miyagi's sex life in Karate Kid Two, sure. I mean, you know, who knows? Hey, but, I'm telling you right now, Miyagi fucks. <laughs> yes. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for 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 putting it that way. You know, I have a Miyagi Funko that's next to the TV in this room, and you've been saying all this stuff about him. None of those Funkos have a wang, though. Have you ever noticed that? It should be a Miyagi Fucko. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. We're not doing any better than that, Keith. Keith, thank you, thank you so much. Don't, don't even say anything else. You're not gonna, do, you're not gonna do anything better. All right, I'm gonna break up your party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we almost made it through the whole time without uh, talking about Goodfellas for no reason. But hey, if you enjoyed this show, be sure to give it five stars on. I guess it's only Apple Podcasts where you could do that, which sucks because I've been saying all this stuff about wherever podcast reviews are accepted, and apparently the answer is nowhere. But thank you for listening, and tune in next time for another exciting episode of GFA Live. Break up my party. <laughs>